0: Okay, so we will pick up where we left off last week with regards to the uh, the text of this uh, first chapter of the Messiah Susharm. Try and pick it up right where we left off, and let me just bring it up on the screen for you. It's there. Okay, that's there. Okay, so we're going to pick it up from the the underlined section over here. So what uh, the Messiah Hashem, what the has said so far is that the purpose of this world is ultimately the His'aneg al Hashem, to derive pleasure from God, and to be able to enjoy being in the presence of the Shrina, of, uh, of the Divine Presence, in the vicinity or in the proximity of the Divine Presence, and that is the ultimate pleasure which exists in this, uh, in this world and he says and the way to be able to achieve that so the ultimate one is as we're going to talk about is what we're going to experience in olam haba when we make it uh, when we make our way to olam haba after 120 and we get to uh enjoy the benefits of all of our efforts of all of the mitzvahs which we did but the way to get there is this world so we're not going to be able to reach that final destination the ultimate destination of of deriving pleasure from hashem's presence unless we go ahead and we traverse through this world, and that traversing through this world is going to be specifically in the area of Torah and Mitzvahs. So this is where we now resume the text. He says, And this is what Chazal tell us in the Mishnah in Perkei Avos, that this world is considered to be an entranceway towards the world to come. And, uh, right, so now this idea of our current world being a prose door, what's referred to as an entranceway, so the way the, uh, the uh, uh, Mepharshim explained it is, is that the world to come is the chocolate. So there's a place of the palace where there's the throne room where the king sits, But anybody who's visited a palace, or even if you've seen one on TV or in cartoons or imagine one in a book, you don't enter into the castle immediately into the place where the king is sitting. So there's going to be like long hallways, which are going to, uh, you're going to have to walk through before you get to see the king. So finally, in the back room somewhere, that's where the king, that's where the king's throne room is. That's what the troclin is. But the way to get there is you have to go through the prose door. You have to go through the... the, uh, some sort of entranceway or some sort of hallway to, uh, to get there. If you watched any of the scenes, any of the footage of the, uh, the coronation of King Charles, so you saw that there was a, uh, was a people, the dignitaries were walking through a hallway. They're walking in somewhere in, a, in order to be able to get to, to that room. So that is what the, this world is. So this world is that that hallway, which is going to lead ultimately to the throne room, where we'll be in the direct uh, proximity to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And this is the place that we do sort of the not the final check, but we do the preparations necessary to necessary to go ahead and to be able to achieve that uh, that good place in Olam Haba. But he says. Mepharshim explained a very important idea that he uses the term, the Rebchal uses the term, and I'll just highlight this part, doma le door. It's like a door. It's like that hallway. It's like a hallway, but it's not exactly like a hallway. Because when you're going to visit the king, there's really no purpose in the hallway other than just to build up some momentum or some tension or some excitement as you're about to go into the, to the throne room. But the door over here is something where you're able to actually, it has value in and of itself, and that is the fact that one is going to be able to uh, enjoy God's presence in, in connection with God. There's going to be dvekis with Hashem, which is achieved already in this world. So the time that we spend in the prosdoor is not a hechitim, so it's not a means to an end, but it has value in and of itself. And furthermore, that the reason why the, the door. Yeah, we'll put that aside. Okay, now he says, so then he continues the hem and the means, hamagines hazeh, the means which are going to lead a person to be able to reach this final destination, this ultimate good. Heim asher tziva alein hakel shamo. So that's going to be the mitzvahs which we do. So the mitzvahs which we perform in this world, that's what readies us. And that's what prepares us to ultimately be able to enter into the throne room and be in the proximity of the king. But in the absence of doing those mitzvahs, so then we are, in a sense, wasting our time in the in the prose door. We're not making maximum use of our time, is probably a better way of saying it, in the, uh, the prose door. In that entrance way. And umakam olam hazeh. And the place to be able to do these mitzvahs is only in sorry, is only in Olam Haza. Chazal. but say that when a person passes away, they are chaf ha-mitzvahs. And once a person passes away, so mitzvahs are no longer obligatory. You don't have the, the means to be able to do the mitzvah. There's no longer a body, and there's no longer the challenges to performing mitzvahs, which uh, add to their value. So the time to go ahead and do those mitzvahs is specifically in this world. And al Kain, for that reason... And therefore, in order to be able to achieve the ultimate good, which, as the Ramchal said, is the proximity to God, the only way to do that is to do the mitzvahs. And since mitzvahs could only be done in our physical world, so therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu placed us in this world initially. He didn't just plant us in Olam Haba, uh, in a close proximity to His presence, to be able to enjoy being close to him, but rather he put us into this world initially. So they are through the the actions which we do in this world, the steps which we take in this world for things which come across our, our our way. So that's what's going to allow you. So we, in a sense, we go ahead and we create for ourselves our own olam haba. So the events which we, uh, the circumstances which we face, you know, they go ahead and they quote, that B'derech wrote Rotsa Leilach Molichin Also, that Hash Baruch allows us, in a sense, to choose our own path. I don't know if you uh, remember, it's probably uh, after your time for, uh, for many of you, but there was used to be a, 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 a series called Choose Your Own Adventure, is that you'd get to the end of a chapter, and you decided which way you wanted the uh, the book to go, the direction that you wanted the book to go. And if you wanted to go this direction, turn to page 47. If you want to go in that direction, you go to page 53. So as you make your way through the book, you get to choose which adventure you would like to, uh, to experience. So Chazal tells us that in a similar way, we get to choose the direction of our lives. And that's going to put us into circumstances which the... Composite of that, the end result of that, is going to be what are Olam is going to look like. So we get to choose what their path is going to be and what their final destination will look like, which is shahu Olam Haba, because the final destination is going to be Olam Haba. So that's what we think about in terms of the stadium, where you show up at the uh, at the gate at the stadium, and Akash Barhu or the Malachim, are going to ask for your name, They'll, they'll pull up your records, they'll say, okay, you're going to sit on, you get a floor seat, or you get a mezzanine seat, or you get first balcony, second balcony, you get the nosebleed seats. So based on what exactly your record is in terms of Torah Mitzvahs, so that's going to determine where, where in proximity to God you are going to find yourself a seated. And then once you sit there, so you'll be able to enjoy to the degree that you can based on your proximity... Lirvosham to be able to enjoy, to be able to uh, satisfy your thirst. So you're going to be able to enjoy the good which you have created for yourself through your behavior in this world. So whether or not uh, it's like uh, you know, if you if you pay for business class, then so you get business class service. If you pay for uh, first class, you get first class service. If you pay for regular coach, so you may get a bag of pretzels. And if you fly on Spirit, you're lucky if you get a seat. So, depending on how much you're going to pay, what type of investment you put in, so that's going to impact what type of benefit you're going to be able to enjoy once you go ahead and you reach that uh, that place. Um, and this is what Chazal go ahead and they uh, they tell us. Uh, right, they at Hayom so this is like all good investing, as we know. That good investing means you put the money away today so that you'll be able to enjoy it in your retirement uh, uh, time later on. So if a person decides that they don't want to go ahead and they don't want to put anything away. They wait till they're 50 or 55 or 60 and then they see retirement on the rise and they say, you know what? I better start putting money away. So if you start putting money away, it's 60 for your retirement. So you're not going to have much of a nest egg to be able to, uh, to enjoy. The best way to be able to do that is to start putting away money immediately when you start working and allow that miracle of compounding interest to go ahead and accumulate in your favor. So that is really what you want to be able to, uh, to start uh, to start doing. Some people, sadly, they they don't get around to uh, really uh, focusing their attention on Torah study and davening and mitzvahs until they're uh, uh, further along in life. So maybe they're in their 40s or their 50s or their 60s or or beyond. But the truth is that if you remember, Chazal tell us that har mitzvah mitzvah, that the reward for a mitzvah is a mitzvah. And if we take that somewhat literally, we can understand that to me that every time you do a mitzvah, so it's going to be compounding, because one mitzvah leads to another mitzvah. So the more mitzvahs you do when you're younger, so the more it compounds, the more time it has to compound, and the more benefit you're going to have from that compounding uh, interest or the compounding uh, benefit. So that's why Chazal emphasized that you have to make use of your time in this world well. Hayom <laughs> this this lifetime, is the time to perform, and then later on you'll go ahead and you'll get the, you'll get your reward um, Right um okay, then he says, ol bedavar, and if you think about the matter a little bit further that um, the uh, uh, you, you will see there, that the true whole and complete uh, of Hashem, service of Hashem is is the capacity to be dovek, is the capacity to go ahead and to connect with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. meaning that mitzvahs aren't simply there's two there's two aspects to a mitzvah. So on the one hand, mitzvahs are and the mitzvah, they're a means to be able to get to Olam Haba. So that's one dimension of Mitzvah fulfillment. And then there's another thing, which is not simply that Mitzvahs are going to provide us with benefit in the world to come, but Mitzvahs also serve us in this world, in the sense that Mitzvahs are the means of Dveikas Vah Hashem in this world. So there's the proximity that we're going to be to Hashem in the world to come, and then there's also the Dveikas, the connection that we have with the Kodesh Baruch Hu, while we're still alive in this world and it's that dvekas, that ability to connect and to attach ourselves to god in this world so that is the shleimus amiti that is the full uh service of hashem that's the full avodas hashem and this is what davina makh used to say David makh always captures ideas very succinctly but but very powerfully and he would say v'ani as far as i am concerned as far as my pursuits, and my values, and my interests, k'irvas elokim liTov, closest to God, that is what I consider to be the ultimate good. So this is something which is important to uh, to uh, to be mindful of. V'omer, and then he goes ahead and he says, As we know from ledavid uh, which we say in uh, in the month of Elul, and all the way through Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur and Sokis. So we say, Acha sha'alti There's one request which I have of God, Osa avakesh and this is what I want, this is what I seek. Shif to beveis Hashem, call Oh, sorry. to Hashem, call That I should be able to sit in the house of Hashem for all of my life. And here, the Meforshim point out that there's an interesting, an interesting dictok thing, an interesting grammar thing, which is in the, which is contained in this pasuk. If you look at the word sha'alti, so. So the word sha'alti is past tense. There's one thing which I have asked for, past tense, from Hashem. Osa avakesh, and then the word avakesh is future. I will request. So we make reference to what I have requested and what I will request. And the reason why this is, is because there is only one thing which is good. So it's not that there's one thing which I've experienced, or there's one thing which I may be interested in, but there's only one thing which is good, and that's what I've always asked for, sha'alti, and that's what I will continue to ask for, which is the avakesh, and that's all that I want. And all that I want is to be able to be in the house of Hashem, meaning to be in the proximity, to have that devakus or that attachment to, to, uh, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because hirak ze hu hatov. Because ultimately, the only thing which is good in this world, the only thing which, which exists, which is good, is our connection to our Kodesh Baruch Hu, that vacas. The zula zeh, and anything other than that, anything other than that, b'nei adam letov, el hevel nita. Everything else which people perceive as something which is good, so ultimately it is not. It doesn't represent something which is truly tov. It represents something which is hevel. Hevel meaning something which is futile, something which is empty. It's like empty, uh, empty calories. So you eat a bunch of candy, perhaps, and you may feel full in the moment, but shortly afterwards, so you're going to feel hungry because it doesn't really satisfy one's uh, one's uh, one's uh, need for uh, for food, for uh, for nutrients and whatnot. And it is uh, Nitta. And it's something which misleads one into believing that what they're getting is something which is valuable and something which is significant. But the truth is, it is is a meaningless meaningless, uh, uh, perception. So even though it's something which is empty, nonetheless, it has the capacity to fool a person. So there's many people who get caught up in all sorts of physical pursuits or all sorts of pursuits which ultimately draw them away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the person may, as they're experiencing them, as they are in, engaged in them, they may think that what they're experiencing is good. But as we've talked about that, ultimately those things are empty pleasures because it's not something which you can take with you afterwards. It's not something which you have other than a memory of things, but it's not something which is long lasting. It's not something which is eternal. But nonetheless, it has the ability, the, the bells and the whistles and the enjoyment and the pleasure and all of that, has the ability to mislead a person into pursuing them and thinking that they're pursuing something which is uh, which is valuable. And he says this is the power of asaph to come along and to mislead a person into thinking that he is good even though he's not. That's why if you remember, Chazal say that what we use... To uh, the uh, what the uh, the pig is able to do, what the chazzer is able to do, is able to present its hooves. It shows you its hooves, and it says, "Look at the outside. Superficially, I resemble a kosher animal because I have split hooves, which is a defining characteristic of a uh, of a kosher animal." What the chazzer does not have is the chewing of its cud. Internally, it's completely empty. It doesn't have the characteristics of something which is kosher, but it can present superficially as something which is uh, which is. And that's why it can be such a misleading uh, uh, prospect. But he says, Amnam, however, In order for a person to merit, in order for a person to be able to tap into this good, the ultimate good, the dvekas, the connection with Hashem, rishona It's not something which you're going to get as a freebie, it's not something which is just going to fall into your lap, but rather it is something which requires effort in order to be able to uh, to achieve He's going to talk more about the uh, the effort in a in a few in a couple of lines, but he says behind it what this means is that a person should make an effort to connect to God through one's behavior because that ultimately is where we are supposed to uh, we are supposed to end up, and that is the haim haim mitzvahs and it's the mitzvahs that we do. So this is the primary way that we're going to fuel our olam haba. This is the primary way that we're going to be able to plant the seeds of what our olam haba is going to uh, is going to look like, and that's what we need to go ahead and do. And the performance of mitzvahs cannot be something which is done by rote. It cannot be something which is done just because it's part of my habit that I go ahead, I wake up in the morning and I wash anegovasser, and then I go ahead and I mumble my way through the sitter a little bit for shachris and all the things which uh, people uh, may do. So that is not the way to be able to achieve dveikus with Hashem. There's there's value to doing it uh, even shalol shema certainly, but that's not the primary benefit of doing the uh, the mitzvahs. The primary function and the primary goal. Of doing the mitzvahs is really to go ahead and to be able to think about it and contemplate the uh, the mitzvahs, so that one recognizes that through the performance of mitzvahs, so one is going to connect to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. That's really what we're trying to uh, to achieve. And therefore, and here comes a very powerful idea which the Ramchal shares. So Hakadosh Baruch Hu created us in a circumstance where there are many things which exist which draw us away from god so we think that god is going to go ahead and make it easy schmizzy for us he's going to go ahead and just put us into God-aided, and we can enjoy all of the benefits and not have to put in any effort and not have to uh, to to try it all sort of like being a teenager everything is just taken care of for you but the truth is is that the expectation is that we are put into circumstances which are designed to be challenging so that we have to go ahead and we have to try and put in the effort in order to be able to achieve that uh, the ultimate uh, that ultimate good. Um, he says that and this is a a fascinating idea in that we say that the the reason why Akash Barko had to go ahead and create uh, challenges in our path in our journey, where we're going to have to overcome temptations and we have to resist all of those all of those things is because that's the only way that we're going to be able to grow, and that's the only way we're going to be able to, uh, to achieve. Because if things were all um, easy shmeezy for us, if it, if it came to us without any effort whatsoever, so then we're not going to be able to uh, um, develop and cultivate the connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which, we are try- which ultimately we are trying to do. As, uh, as we all know, that the only way to be able to build a muscle is the muscle has to face resistance. So with resistance, when it faces resistance, so that's how muscle is is built. Without that, so there's going to be no progress, there's going to be no growth whatsoever. So in the same way, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, when we enter into this world, there are certain things which HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to achieve and wants us to accomplish. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is through growth. We have to build up our spiritual muscles, our mitzvah muscles, as it were, and in order to for our mitzvah muscles to develop properly, so we need to face resistance. And the resistance are those temptations, which are there to try and tempt us away from Torah and mitzvahs, and by overcoming that, so then, one is going to be able to overcome that uh, that bad, and that's how we're going to be able to, to uh uh, to be able to uh, develop the closeness with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. And he says, that's why Chazal say that the Gemara in Kiddushin says, Yitzro um That a person's Yitzhahara becomes renewed and becomes strengthened each and every day. So it's not as if that just because we, we may have succeeded one day, we can now put uh, notch it up as a victory and we're done with that. But each day we should actually expect that we're going to face challenges and difficulties and the goal is to be able to, uh, to be able to face each one of those challenges, and we can't stop and rest and assume that, okay, I already accomplished something yesterday, I'm just going to take off today and I don't have to put any effort. I don't have to try. Because being that every day the eight Sahara gets stronger, so that means that every day you need to put an effort. Because if you don't put an effort to try and grow, to try and continuously grow, so then a person is going to ultimately they're going to fail, they're going to fall. The muscle which I uh, which I give for this idea is a um, a uh, for our purposes now we'll just say it's a down elevate a down escalator. So on a down escalator, if you just stand there, so obviously without putting any effort to climb, so you're naturally the escalator is going to bring you down. The only way to be able to go up a down escalator is to go ahead and to walk up faster than the escalator is going down. So that's the way many of the Bali Musa understand our circumstances in life over here, is that life is meant to continuously be growing, because the only way to continue a, an ascent, a trajectory upwards is to constantly be putting effort in order to, to grow, because as soon as a person decides they're gonna sit down and they're, they're going to rest and they're done fighting or they're done trying so that automatically the down escalator is going to pull you, is going to pull you down. In another way that to, under, to, uh, to appreciate what's going on, to appreciate this idea is if you know anything about water, so if you have running water, a stream or a river, so it doesn't really uh, have mold or doesn't really grow things in it because as long as the water is moving, so then it doesn't have a chance to be able to grow, you know, uh, mold and whatnot on it or whatever things would, uh, would, would grow. But as soon as you have stagnant water, so stagnant water, water, which is just standing there. So that already is something which has the ability to have things grow in there, which would make the water iffy. In a similar way, running water takes a lot longer for running water to freeze over, but stagnant water will freeze over much faster. So all of this has to do with as long as something is moving and it's making progress in a particular direction, so you're cannot, you not going to nail it down. It's not going to get stuck in its place and then ultimately fall. But as long as a person is putting in effort, so then that's going to allow them to continuously grow on that, uh, that path. And all of that was put there in order for us to be able to uh, to ultimately achieve and to connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. haim and what are those things that HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts in our path as a means of trying to build up our spiritual muscles? So he says, Veheim, Hatavos HaChomriyos. So primarily, these are the physical pleasures which we pursue. So the physical pleasures which we pursue, those are the stumbling blocks which HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts in our way because if a person is drawn after them if a person does not resist that uh, that temptation so ultimately what that's going to do is that's going to be again on that in that uh, the, the the imagery of that down escalator so if a person isn't going to resist that temptation so the down escalator is going to continuously bring them further and further down. To a point where they don't really want to, uh, where they actually don't want to, uh, to, uh, to be. Um, right, and he says, um, yeah. So then he says, So it turns out. Trying to keep track of my notes. Says it Turns out. Musam beEmes that every person has to be aware, has to be mindful of the fact that they are find themselves in a difficult Muhammad, a difficult battle. So it's not a battle with guns or with missiles or something like that, but it's an internal battle. It's an internal conflict which every person faces. Because kichol in yana because everything which exists in this world, everything which, which uh, is around, bain letov whether it is something which is good. Or whether it is something which is bad, he So everything represents a challenge, a nisayon, uh, a test which a person is going to which a person is going to face. And this is a fascinating idea. The, the Ramchal is emphasizing over here, the notion that not only is something which is bad considered to be a nisayon, but even something which is good could also constitute a nisayon. And the, uh, the uh, Rav Chatzko Levinstein he explains, that I'll just read you the way they write it, Just like when a person is doing something bad, a person may seek honor through that bad behavior. In a similar way, you can have a person who's doing mitzvahs. They're, do, they're behaving in a pious and righteous manner. But even though their behavior is pious and righteous, if their intent is to pursue honor is to accumulate honor, and that people should recognize and applaud them for what they are doing, so then even the piety and even the righteous acts which they're doing constitute any it constitutes a challenge for what that person is doing a scary thing he says, and once we say that the righteous in pious things that the person is doing all of which are good behaviors but once a person is driven <inaudible> if all of that piety and all of that righteousness is ultimately driven from a place of honor pursuit trying to go ahead and to accumulate honor and to be recognized as a pious righteous individual if that's what the person is ultimately striving to achieve <inaudible> He says it undermines everything if the entire foundation is built on the pursuit of honor. So the whole structure, which is built on top of that, with all of the righteousness and with all of the piety and all of the tzidkus and all the chassidus, all of that tumbles, all that crumbles down uh, because the foundation of covet seeking, of honor seeking, is not going to be able to support it. And therefore, none of it is going to ultimately have a value because it's rooted in something which is bad rather than in something which is good. And he says, for as an example, he says, So you have this notion that there are going to be uh, challenges which a person is going to uh, is going to face no matter which direction they find, them, no matter what circumstance they find themselves in. So a good example of that is that you have poverty on the one hand, and you have wealth on the other hand. So those who are who are impoverished, so they often think, oh, if I was only wealthy, life would be easy, shmeasy, I wouldn't have challenges, and I'd be able to do all the things. I'd be able to learn Torah, and I'd be able to do mitzvahs, and give tzedakah, and I'd be able to do all those wonderful things if I just had money. And those people who have money, who are so busy running around taking care of all their stuff and they have all their responsibilities and whatnot. They say, if only I could have a little peace of mind, I wouldn't be running around all day and I wouldn't have to be worried about my property here and my property there and this and all that stuff. If I just didn't have that stuff, life would be much easier. So each one, the poor and the rich man, they look at the other one and say, they may have it a little bit easier. But the truth is, is that both of them face challenges. That no matter what circumstance it is, it may seem like the grass is greener on the other side. But the truth is, is that no matter where you find yourself, there's always going to be challenges which you face. and this is something which Shlomo HaMelech said, which is that, um pen esba Hashem. That on the one hand, in Mishla, he says that there is a risk pen esba. Right, this is like the savata. This comes from the word to be savea, to be uh, satisfied with what one has, to be full. So maybe Akash Baruch Hu will provide me with plenty. And if he pro- provides me with plenty, the nisayon, the challenge to a person who's successful is people have a tendency to want to take credit for their success on their own. I put in the effort. I'm so smart. I'm so cunning. I'm so capable. I'm so whatever it is. And then as a result of that, when they go ahead and they try and take full credit for their success, and they attribute it to their own efforts, and they do not attribute it to God, the hashem. So the Nesayin over there is, ultimately that person may say, I don't even recognize God. I don't include God in my success. My success is due to me. And therefore they end up to one degree or another, they end up denying God's existence because of their tendency to want to take full credit for their success on their own. But on the other hand, Shlomo HaMelech says, but maybe on the other hand, if a person becomes impoverished and a person does not have, then so then the sign which he faces is he may be forced to steal. So whichever category you find yourself in, whether wealthy or whether poor, either way, the person is going to be facing a nisayin. A person is going to be facing a challenge in terms of managing what uh, what should be. And similarly, echad And similarly, on the one hand, a person is uh, who uh, uh, has uh, uh, serenity in life a person is not currently facing challenges. So they're, they're, the difficulty which they face is, without those challenges, what are they gonna do with their time? How are they going to occupy their time? Are they going to use it properly or not? So that's what happens on the one end. And how are they going to attribute uh, their their uh, the the, um, the good circumstance that they find themselves in, the fact that they could sit back with their feet up and they could take a, a bubble bath and they can enjoy some champagne. So that is on the one hand how they're going to be able to enjoy that. But on the other hand, so you have Yisur in Mitzar But you have on the other side of the equation, the other end of the spectrum over there, you have a person is suffering. And if a person is suffering, circumstances are not working in your favor. So then some people go ahead and they get angry at God and they blame God, and that leads them to uh, that leads them away from the dvekas of Hashem, which we are striving to be able to, uh, to achieve. So once again, you find that on both ends of the spectrum, people are facing a challenge in the circumstance which they are. And all of this ultimately leads to ad that if you examine any timeline or any uh, line where you have two extremes, one or the other, it turns out hamachama elav panivachor, That ultimately, all we could say is that no matter where you find yourself, you're going to be challenged. In front of you and behind you, there's always going to be challenges, and there's really no escape to be able to uh, to, uh, to get away from that. However, if a person is a good warrior, and they're able to go ahead and they're able to fight, and they're able to overcome and succeed on all fronts... Just because you get something, you're, you're successful on one front doesn't mean that you're going to be successful on uh, another front. But if a person ultimately is able to be successful on all fronts, then oh, there is. then who that person is going to be whole and complete who's going to be capable of connecting with HaKadosh Baruch so that is the person is going to be successful. But one has to be aware that the notion that we have that life is supposed to be easy and when life isn't easy, so then that's an out of the ordinary experience and we think that God is punishing us and that's why my life is challenging. That's actually not the case. The opposite is the case. That challenge is the default setting in life. And sometimes we have these little gaps of time where we don't feel a challenge. That's where we may be able to regroup you may be able to re-energize, but ultimately the purpose of life is to face those challenges and to overcome those challenges, because without them, we're not going to be able to go ahead and accomplish and achieve and secure for ourselves that good place in Olam Haba, which is the ultimate goal of that close proximity to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is, as he says, and that is, the to ultimately leave the hallway, the entranceway, which leads to the throne room. And ultimately, what we want to do is we want to we want to enter into that throne room, which is proximity to God, that closest to God, to be able to enjoy the time that we're going to be able to spend in his presence, the eternal life that we're going to be able to have in his presence. And as we mentioned, ukefi Hashir and commensurate exactly. Uh, uh, in accordance with the way that a person was able to overcome their Yetzer and their, their Yetzahara for Aveiros, and the Taivas are even for things which are permitted, but it's uh, unnecessary indulgences. So, uh, uh, the, and the person, and a person to the degree that a person will distance himself from those things which are going to draw him away from God, are going to wedge him away from God, and are going to create a distance between uh, the, uh, the individual in the barafu. In the, in the like we know, Chazal are big advocates of setting up um, uh, barriers to make sure that a person doesn't even get close to committing the Avera. Chazal famously say that you tell a Nazir, don't even walk into a vineyard. Forget about not eating grapes once you're in the vineyard. Since the Nazar isn't allowed to have any grape products, we say to the Nazar, the best thing for you is don't even enter in the vineyard in the first place to avoid the temptation altogether. Sochor, sochor, amrina lenezira, the Carmel is what Chazal used, as the way that so many of the Durbanans, many of the rabbinic ordinances and things which we should set up in our own lives are designed in that pattern to keep us far enough away where even if we trip and fall, we're not actually going to commit a serious transgression. So you never want to get just to that line where the temptation is going to be overwhelming. You want to put yourself far enough away from the edge that there's no chance that you're going to fall. And our goal is ultimately to uh, try and connect with the Kodesh Baruch Hu through Torah mitzvahs to the degree that we can. And this is And to the degree that a person is able to do all of this, they're able to overcome the Yitzhahara for sin. They're able to overcome the time for the yearning that a person has for indulgences, even though they are permitted. And you stay away from the, the, you put a distance between yourself and an actual Aveira so that you shouldn't be able to trip and fall in sin, uh, even if you make a mistake. And you make an effort through the performance of mitzvahs to uh, to uh, to connect with God. So then, to that degree, kenya siguhu. So you will achieve that You'll achieve that connection and attachment to God. and you will be able to rejoice the uh, the achievement in the accomplishment that you have in the close proximity that you have with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Okay, so I think we're going to hold it over here. So, uh don't forget that Wednesday uh Thursday night there is no class this week. I will be uh out of town at a at a Shabbaton, so I'm not uh, going to be available. So we'll meet again God willing next week. I will uh, it should be uh we'll send out the thing again, but it should be 8 8 uh hold on. It should be yeah, 7:20 Chicago time so it's going to be 8:20 for those of you on the East Coast. All right? And, myself to uh, Tamaki on the bris of a grandson of Ritz Hashem tomorrow. When is it? When is it? What? What was that?